0: of Krampus, I am your host, the Christmas Creeper of Channel Xmas. On the night of December 5th, Sinterklaas delivers burlap bags full of gifts to the homes of children who have been good all year, but those who have been naughty are visited by someone else, also with a burlap sack, although this one does not contain gifts. Before we begin, please remember to subscribe and jingle the bell, and if you enjoy the story, please hit the thumbs up on the video. We now present the very simply titled Krampus. I can still see the box under the Christmas tree. It was beautifully wrapped in pink paper, a white lace bow on top. I knew I was going to get what I had asked for. I was good all year, and, just to be sure, I left milk and cookies on the coffee table for Santa the night before. I tried to stay awake to catch a glimpse of him or his reindeer. But, like every year, I became too tired and fell asleep. The music box was even more beautiful than I had imagined it. The melody was sweet and the figurine pristine, a ballerina lifting her arms, her body gracefully turning as the music played. She was everything I wanted to be. It became my most prized possession, one I came home to every day and relied on when I was feeling sad. The music box never failed to lift my spirits. As the following Christmas approached, I had a fight with my brother. I can't even remember what it was about anymore. He yelled, and I yelled back. When he saw he wasn't getting what he wanted from me, he ran into my room and grabbed the music box. I begged him to put it down, I told him Santa had given it to me, but he just laughed and said Santa wasn't real. He threw it on the floor. It shattered into a thousand pieces. I knew no one would ever be able to fix it. He knew it too, but to be sure, he stepped on it, crushing the gears, turning the little ballerina to dust. I cried all night. The next day, during a free period in school, my friends wanted me to hang out with them in the cafeteria, but I couldn't. I was still too sad, I just wanted to be alone. I decided to go to the library. As I was browsing books, I found one about Christmas, not just in America, but all over the world. Maybe I could prove to my brother that Santa was real. Maybe I could show him he was wrong. And if he knew that, then he would know he wasn't going to get any presents this year. The book was old and full of stories about strange things I couldn't really understand. But it did talk about Santa, though it said his real name was Saint Nicholas. And there was someone else. He came for the bad children, the ones who misbehaved. He carries a bundle of sticks which he uses to beat bad kids with. He's covered in thick black fur and has horns like that of a goat, and walks on hooves. His name is Krampus. That book had very little information on him, but it was enough to get me started when i came home i looked up all i could about him on the internet but was interrupted when my mom came to take me to rehearsal for the christmas pageant at church while i sang with the others all i could think about was coming home and learning more krampus his name wouldn't leave my mind that night i snuck into the computer room while everyone was asleep and searched and searched every site led to another one more details more information until i found what i had really been looking for though i didn't know it until i saw it i found a way to call him a way to call krampus instead of santa a way to get rid of my horrible brother It was kind of a spell. You had to be precise. The old legends said you just had to be naughty and the dark spirit would come. But that was just parents trying to scare their kids into being good. The real Krampus had to be called. He had to be conjured. First, I had to find the sticks. He wouldn't come if I didn't find the right ones. They had to be just right. They had to be strong. One side of our street was made of houses, the other half, woods. After school, instead of going home, I crossed the bare trees and started searching for the right sticks. It was kind of a mindless exercise, I think, deep in the back of my head. I never really believed it, but I felt like I was doing something. It was starting to get cold again, but I didn't leave until I had as many good sticks as I could carry. I snuck along the side of the house and into the backyard when I got home. I hid the bundle in the basement and used my scarf to tie it all together. For those couple months before Christmas, I would sometimes sneak down there especially after my brother had been mean to me again. And I would just look at the bundle, tied in a bow with my scarf. It was like a present waiting to be opened. And then, before I knew it, it was here. The Advent. Christmas Eve. I had already taken the milk out days before. I put it in a glass and wrapped the cup in plastic so it wouldn't spill. Then. I hid it behind the furnace. I was hoping the heat would make it spoil sooner. The milk had to be spoiled for him to show up. Same with the meat. As we were eating dinner, I cut a piece of steak from my plate and put it in my pocket. Then, like the milk, I wrapped it in plastic so it wouldn't smell and hid it behind the furnace. The plan was to get everything together once everyone had gone to sleep and place the items on the mantel above the fireplace. Except for the sticks, I was supposed to leave those in front of the door of the person I wanted Krampus to take. I was sick with worry all day. What if my parents found the milk and the meat? What if it smelled so bad they would notice it all the way from upstairs? I still hadn't opened the plastic, but I had checked the milk, it had curdled, the top was covered in white chunks, it made me nauseous just to look at it. And my brother, did I really want him gone? Maybe he wasn't that bad, maybe I overreacted. At bedtime, I listened, making sure everyone were in their rooms for the night. Then, finally, opened the door and went to the basement. I put the piece of meat in my pocket and took the glass of milk. On my way up the stairs, I made the decision I would throw it all away. I didn't really want my brother taken away, and if I'm being honest, I was scared. My brother was standing in the kitchen when I came up, he caught me. I didn't know what to say. Then I realized he didn't know the milk was spoiled. It was still wrapped. He laughed at me. Still believe in Santa? He said. You're wasting perfectly good milk, you baby. He stormed across the room and ripped the glass from my hand. He was confused when he saw the plastic, but it didn't slow him down. He was so determined to drink it in front of me that he didn't notice the rot until it was too late. He spit and slammed the glass on the counter. His face contorted. Before he could even scream at me, he was running to the bathroom. I wasn't sure what to do. I knew he would tell my parents and they would definitely ask what I was doing with old milk. I had no answer. Worst of all, he was definitely going to make my life hell after this, maybe even hurt me. I had to get rid of him. I put the glass, which still had plenty of milk in it, on top of the mantle. I took the rotten meat from my pocket and unfolded the plastic. It was slimy brown with green spots and smelled like death. I got a chill then just imagining what would want to eat or drink those things. I stepped back and looked at the open chimney under the mantel. It stood hollow and dark like a black mouth. The chill in my back grew and I ran upstairs. All night my brother stayed in the downstairs bathroom. My parents had no idea he was sick. It was almost midnight. And then, I remembered the bundle of sticks. I had to mark the right person, or he could take the wrong one. I had to go to the basement. Before I did, I wanted to look outside, to see if there was any sign. There was a snowstorm, the sky was totally black and all I could see were the trees across the street being pushed by the wind. I opened my door. The hallways looked almost foreign in the dark. I stepped out. It was really cold. The heater was on, and I didn't know why it was still so cold. I moved down the stairs. As I did, I was careful to look down to the fireplace. The Christmas tree. But everything was still in place. I snuck down on my tippy toes silent so my brother wouldn't hear me since I had to go past the bathroom door to get to the basement. It didn't work. He heard me and yelled for me to get mom and dad. I ran to the basement instead and closed the door behind me. I slid the lock just as the door started shaking. He was on the other side, pulling it so hard I thought it might fall off of its hinges. Finally, he stopped. He was getting weak again, I could tell. He rushed back into the bathroom and closed the door. I ran to the bundle, and as I was coming back up, I heard it the footsteps on the hardwoods no not footsteps they weren't feet not exactly it was moving through the living room and then it moved to the kitchen it was so heavy that the floorboards in the basement sunk as it passed i was afraid it would tear the whole house apart i wondered if its horns would fit through the door Then I stopped thinking about everything because it walked right to the other side of the basement door where I was. I waited for the wood to break, for its claws to smash through and take me. I knew then that I had made a mistake in calling it to my house. But nothing happened, it just stood there, and then it walked away. There was silence. Then it dragged on and on. And then my brother let out a terrible scream. I will never forget the sound of it. He screamed like whatever he saw was the most horrible thing he had ever laid eyes on. And then for the second time, silence. I pushed my ear to the cold wood door and listened. Something was moving, or being moved. I didn't understand why my parents hadn't come down. They must have heard him, and the neighbors too. But no one came. I cracked the door open just a sliver and looked out. On the floor there was a really big and dirty old bag. It was canvas and looked like maybe it had been white a million years ago. Now it was grimy, with splotches of brown and yellow stains marking it all over. And it was full. The loose canvas went taut. Something pulled on it, something I couldn't see, dragging it out of the kitchen. I was still too scared to look. One tug at a time it pulled dragging it across the floor until the bag was out of sight. I stayed in the basement for hours. In the morning, I crept out. The bathroom door was open. Wet streaks lined the floor from the bathroom to the fireplace. The plate of old meat was empty. The glass, too. My brother was not in his room. I went to bed, some hours later i woke up to my mother screaming for my brother he was gone all spring i wondered where he was what had been done to him if he was coming back by the summer i had started to forget forget him forget what i had done forget what i had seen i wanted to forget but my mother never recuperated. She became empty. Even when she smiled, it was like she wasn't really smiling. Like she was just pretending. I hadn't thought about her when I called for that thing to come to our home. I was mostly just thinking of myself. Even though a lot about my life was easier without my brother, I couldn't enjoy it. Everything had been poisoned by its disappearance. Before I knew it, the cold had come again, and with it, the darkness. The trees turned red and orange, then gray. Everything outside was frozen and silent. In my house, the same was true. The first snow came one night in early November. I sat at the window watching it fall. The outside was too dark to see much. My window faced the backyard, and the only light we had there was the motion sensor which was off all night unless a raccoon or something walked by. And as I was watching the dark flakes fall, that's exactly what happened. Or at least, I thought so when the lights turned on. It illuminated the whole backyard. I looked down. Everything was covered in a thin film of snow. I didn't see any animals, but there was something. In the middle of the yard, beneath the snow, something I couldn't make out from my room, something that wasn't there before. It was moving. Put on my slippers and wrapped myself up in a blanket, then made my way to the back of the kitchen. I opened the back door. The lights came on again as I stepped out. The thing in the yard was small, about the size of a shoebox. Only a small piece of it was moving, something at the top. As I got closer, I heard what I thought was a familiar melody, only it didn't sound the way I remembered. The thing in the yard was a music box. The ballerina atop of it danced slow, catching and stopping every few seconds. Not at all graceful like the one I had before. And her face, parts of it were missing. Her legs were cracked. Before I knew it, I had picked it up. It was the same, the exact same as I used to own only a little different. I looked closer, turning it upside down to see if the signature I had written was still on the bottom. Before I could check, I dropped it to the ground. There was a stench attached to it. It smelled like rotten meat. That's when I noticed them. Footprints on the snow. Bare feet. They came out from the darkness beyond the lights, up as far as the music box, then turned, moving back to the black. I looked up, but could see nothing past the circle of light around me. Snow built on my shoulders as I stood there trying to see where the footprints led, but it was impossible. And then, I felt someone staring back. I ran and didn't stop until I was back in my room. I hid under the covers until I fell asleep. That night, I dreamt of someone knocking on my door. Then my brother's voice called for me. My mother woke me the next day, yelling. She said I'd tracked dirt into the house and made the carpets all wet. And why had I left the back door open? The house was freezing, she said. She was furious. But I hadn't left the door open. I slammed it shut when I ran. And the dirty footprints she was talking about? They weren't mine. They stopped at the threshold to my room. I really had heard him, I thought. My brother had visited me in the night. At choir practice, I couldn't focus. I kept thinking of him coming back. Had he been dead all this time? Or was he kept, beaten, and punished for what he did to me? This entire time, was he alive? Was he hoping I would forgive him so he could come home? Maybe he had come home. Maybe he was still trying to get me to forgive him. I couldn't stand still. Every time I looked one way, I felt like somebody was watching me from the other. I stared at the open door that led to the lobby. I knew if I looked long enough, I would see him, bent and broken and limping to me. I walked home from church. My mom was supposed to pick me up, but she couldn't. The snow had frozen and crunched beneath my feet as I walked. That was the only sound I heard the entire way. I kept my eyes down to the sidewalk, terrified of what I might see if I looked up. Finally, I had to raise my eyes. I knew I was close to home but had to look to be sure I wouldn't walk into some neighbor's house. And it was still daylight. It was still safe. I was about a 100 feet away from my house. I saw it way down the road. A boy stood on the sidewalk out front. He had a white beater and no shoes, just like my brother was wearing when he was taken. But I couldn't tell if it was him because the boy had a bag over his head. My neighbor Mrs. Walsh came out of her house and asked if i was okay i couldn't speak i couldn't look away she looked to where i was staring but she didn't see him she asked if i needed my mom i wanted to run to her to cry and wail and have someone take care of me and tell me it was okay i shook my head and walked on I got closer and closer to the boy but kept my eyes down. I looked only to the snow beneath me as I walked. When I reached the sidewalk in front of my house, I saw his feet, blackened and scarred, burned maybe. I turned and walked toward my front door. My footsteps were joined by his. A soft crackling in the snow just behind me. Finally, I reached my door and stepped inside. As I went to close it, I couldn't help but look up. He was standing in front of me. I closed the door. What did he want, I wondered. But even as I asked myself the question, I knew the answer. A claim. He wanted me to claim him. He couldn't just disappear. He would not be forgotten. The sound woke me from a deep sleep. Something shattering in the living room. I looked at the time. It was just past 3 in the morning. Something else broke. I was fully awake now. I listened at the door, but the sounds had stopped. I opened the door. As I passed my brother's room, I grabbed his old baseball bat. I had no idea what could be making those sounds. It was like something had been ripping the house apart. I don't know why my parents hadn't heard it. The living room was torn apart. There was fur on the floor, even some blood, and there were gashes dug into the walls. Couldn't tell what could have done that. My father found me there. I told him it was gone. Whatever it was, it was gone now. He stared at me and didn't speak for a long time. It wasn't until the next day, after thinking about it for a long time, that I realized the gashes must have been made by antlers. The day of the Christmas pageant finally came. I hadn't slept in I don't know how long. When I walked to school each morning, I would hear loud cracking in the woods moving alongside me as I walked on the sidewalk. Sometimes at night, the backyard light would turn on. I'd only watch the curtain from my bed, seeing how long it took for the light to go out again. Most nights, it went on and off until the sun came up. Sometimes I would even hear knocking at the back door. I couldn't keep track of the days. The pageant is how I knew it was Christmas Eve. I must have looked terrible. Everyone I saw when I got to the church asked if I was okay. I nodded, feeling as if I was underwater. When we took the stage, I could see my parents. They held each other, happy to see me up there. Happy for the first time since my brother disappeared. They didn't know what was happening with me. I wasn't good at hiding it, but they had been too preoccupied to notice. Now they actually looked at me. But, of course, what they saw was false. I had put on makeup before leaving the house, then again before going on stage. What they saw was a mask. I smiled as I sang, hoping it would stick, hoping it would become real. As I looked out to them and the other parents, I noticed it. It stood by the doors at the back of the room, cloaked in black. It was so tall, its head nearly touched the ceiling. The hood of its cloak was stretched to the sides, pushed by its knotted horns underneath. I screamed. The others stopped singing and turned to me. My parents sat up, their smiles gone. I ran as the rest of the congregation murmured and gasped. I ran. Leaving my jacket and purse behind, I ran along the frozen sidewalk in the dark and didn't stop until I was about to reach my house. All I had heard so far were my own sobs, but as I was about to open my door, there was the cracking of dry branches in the woods. I couldn't move. I stared at the dark trees and again. I could feel that whatever was there was staring back at me. My parents pulled up and ran to me. We gripped each other and cried on the porch. They told me they knew, they knew and understood. For a moment I was relieved, but they couldn't have known. I asked father what he meant. It's the first Christmas without him, he said. We're gonna get you help. I told them it wasn't what he thought. I told him I was being haunted. I wasn't crazy. I wasn't grieving. I was scared. They put me to bed and said goodnight, both silent, both in tears. They told me they would take care of everything. They told me everything would be okay tomorrow. But I didn't sleep. I needed to know what they were planning. I listened at their door as my father told my mother he had found me in the living room with a baseball bat. He thought I had destroyed the house. He thought I was insane. And she agreed. We have to put her somewhere safe, he told her. When I went to bed, I wondered if they were right. My doctor tells me the same thing my father and mother did, that I just can't face what I did. So I make up this story. But I told them it was real. Krampus was coming for me. They didn't listen. Didn't want to. I begged them not to send me away. I was scared to be alone, my parents were all I had, but they insisted. I'm not sure how long it's been since then, every day is the same as the last. I begged my parents not to send me away, it's their own fault, they didn't listen, didn't protect themselves. Maybe I was bad for asking him to take my brother, but my parents were worse trying to send me away. When he finally did come for me, I guess he decided he wanted them more. The doctors tell me I did it. No one believes me when I tell them who really came to our home that night. But I guess I couldn't either. He didn't take them away like he did my brother. They were still there when the police came, lying in their beds, and me sitting between them. I just wanted to stay with them, I just wanted my parents. It's snowing again, Christmas is coming soon, he's coming, I know he is, and I am scared. But at least I'll be with my family. Well, friends. It looks like she finally got what she wanted. What you wish for.